I have uh, come to visit my friends and fellow practitioners <coughs> with uh, Ajahn Yanadamo as the, uh, the senior monk here who we share the same Upajaya and the same teacher together, that being Lumpur Cha. And uh, uh, I feel glad to meet many of you who we have uh, known in the past and some of you have also uh, known and practiced with Ajahn Chah, Lumpur Cha. Uh, we have all come to this place out of faith and devotion in the Buddha's teachings. Uh, and the Lord Buddha wants us to practice so that we can be free from greed, hatred and delusion uh, which leads to peace, which leads to the ending of all suffering, the path to Nibbana. Nibbana is that which is cool which is the final cessation of all suffering. When we have greed, hatred or delusion in our minds, our minds are hot and on fire. When greed, hatred or delusion diminishes in our minds, then our minds increase in, in coolness. Mm. And when the defilements decrease, then our mind becomes developed in, in tranquility and becomes more calm. In the beginning, practice is very difficult. Practice is very confusing. And practice is a burden. It doesn't go as we like. It is uh, that which is meant to lift up the mind, to transform the mind. This thing that we call practice is only for the transformation of the mind. Uh, we have all studied the various teachings of the Buddha and when we come to actually do practice, we need to focus on the practical aspects of those teachings and put aside just the information about the teachings, the academic understanding, that we need to put down and we have to take up the practical application of those teachings in our daily life so that we follow the method of practice laid down by the Lord Buddha and all the Aryas, laid down by the teachers like Ajahn Chah, Lopo Chah. Uh, in the past, we have just followed our moods, followed our emotions, and that hasn't brought us any happiness. So now we're going to follow the teachings laid down by the Buddha, the path of practice, and that leads to Nibbana. So when we ordain, when we ordain as anagarikas or novices or monks, we have done so purely to practice and practice means to train, to train this mind, to train the mind so it stays in the present moment, so it grows in peace, 
so it overcomes the defilements. Uh, practice is to overcome the tendency of mind to get lost in past and future. Uh, practice is the uh, path of overcoming happiness and sorrow, overcoming jealousies and conceits, overcoming desires and greeds and selfishness. Practice is the overcoming of the five hindrances and when we overcome these things that leads to peace, that leads to tranquility. Gamatana, what we call the foundation for practice, gamatana or practice of meditation, it means the work, uh, the work of the mind which works on the base. Uh, it, the practice of gamatana, the development of the mind as a meditation object, having a meditation object and working with that meditation object has as its goal, has as its purpose the stilling of the mind, the calming of the mind, the bringing of that mind to samadhi and ekakata that is one-pointedness, the stillness of the mind, which the mind becomes totally one-pointed. Achan Cha taught many methods and many techniques. He tended to be very broad in his approach to practice. So he didn't necessarily just emphasize one method of meditation, but encourage diversity or a broad uh, approach to meditation. For example, he would teach us to meditate on death. Death meditation uh, is a very good form of meditation. Uh, It cuts off attachment to past and future. It brings us back to the present moment it cuts through speculative thought, it cuts through our doubts and worries, it cuts through our concerns for the body Uh, and it is extremely good to develop recollection of death because it overcomes uh, the speculative temperament, it overcomes doubt and fear Uh, And if we recall death uh, continuously, uh, then we develop this mindful recollection of death and sustain our sati on that process of dying, that we will die at any time. Uh, Then if the mind develops this recollection of death over and over again and sati is continuous on the concept of dying, then that, uh, that continuation of the uh, recollection, reflection, contemplation of death, then that uh, leads the mind to peace. Uh, then the mind, that chitta, does not get lost in happiness or sadness uh, because it sees in relation to death, happiness and sadness is not important. Uh, We're not sure when we're going to die. There is no guarantee that we'll live beyond the day, beyond this night. 
so re- recollect on death that we could die at any time and all beings must die. Life is extremely uncertain. We don't know whether we're going to make it out on arms round. We don't know whether we're going to make it back from arms round. Uh, when people put food in your bowl on the arms round, then recollect all these people will one day die. Uh, I too will die. Uh, Recollect that one may not even make it back for the meal. One may die before the meal. This recollection of death cuts off the tendency of the mind to rush into the future. The tendency of the mind to go spinning into speculative ideas and proliferation. The Buddha and all the Aryas also passed away Uh, the enlightened ones must also die so we see that all things all beings are impermanent so this recollection is very useful for developing anicca sanya the recollection the perception of impermanence it is very good for developing dukkha sanya the recollection that all things are unsatisfactory. It is very good for developing anatta sanya, the perception that all things are not self. And this recollection of death leads to samatha, it leads to the tranquility of the mind because it brings the mind to one point. And this one-pointedness takes the mind to peace and so if we're developing this contemplation the contemplation of death it is a very useful subject for bringing the mind to peace Uh, and then we we see that life abounds and everything is uh, surrounded by death Uh, life is composed of death and death is composed of life this leads the mind when it sees this way to tranquility and peace it can make, help make your mind peaceful so I'm recommending the recollection of death as an extremely good way of contemplation a way of uh, reflection investigation so, so that it takes the active mind down to peace by developing the wisdom faculty contemplating over and over again this aspect of death this aspect of uncertainty of life this can bring your mind to peace Uh, when I began to practice I reflected on death a lot and uh, I used this as my own form of meditation and I contemplated continuously uh, on death and the body became light and the mind became very buoyant Uh, uh, but I had a doubt of whether the contemplation of death would take me into Samadhi or not Uh, but then I saw that it at least took the mind to Samadhi, and Samadhi, the mind is composed and strong enough and stable enough that we can then reflect and investigate for example investigate the four elements of this body that this body is just made up of fire, earth, air and water and by 
contemplating in this uh, state of samadhi or upajara samadhi when the, jit, the jitta was solid and firm uh, then that samatha would lead to vipassana because by holding the object in the mind uh, then by investigating that it would lead to seeing anatta, dukkha and anatta uh, sorry, anicca, dukkha and anatta seeing things change, unsatisfactory and seeing impermanence this uh, development of the anicca sanya, the dukkha sanya and anatta sanya the recollection, the constant recollection and perception of impermanence the perception of unsatisfactoriness in all conditioned phenomena the perception of not-self this is extremely important uh, for the development of the mind this leads to insight and understanding we start to contemplate this body as in uh, in terms of these three characteristics as uh, changing, unsatisfactory and not-self we see the four elements in this body the four elements being the earth element fire element, water element and air element we see that they come together and they break up this body is just the coming together of these four elements the sustaining for a period of time of these four elements but eventually these four elements will divide up and go their own way so it is with the power of samadhi that we can develop Uh, vipassana the jitta that knows and understands that is vipassana vipassana means to see clearly the jitta that sees clearly or knows clearly is the jitta that develops insight and that jitta will develop insight through the power of holding something depends on the energy and the power of samatha this is extremely important vipassana depends on the power of samatha insight depends on the power of samadhi so when we see how important this is then we take the mind to samadhi and develop vipassana when we see that this we we can develop this perception of seeing the emptiness in all the elements for example the eye faculty the faculty of the eye the faculty of the ear the faculty of the nose taste, smell, touch we see these all as empty and not self they are, they are just a faculty which arise and pass away this is a way we can investigate and contemplate we can bring our mind and bring these objects up in the mind and take them apart contemplate Pichyarana, they say in Thai. The Thai word is to pichyarana, to reflect, to contemplate, to investigate, to take things apart, to consider things carefully. And this reflection and contemplation leads and develops samadhi and tranquility. We can develop contemplation for the, uh, to lead to samadhi, or we can develop samadhi leading to vipassana and contemplation or wisdom uh, Achan Chah says, says that this uh, the development of investigation leading to samadhi is a correct form of practice uh, it is the correct 
that correct path, especially for those people whose minds are not peaceful, whose minds find it very difficult to stay on one object, whose minds tend to be diversified and scattered, then using recollection, contemplation and investigation is a skillful way of taking that mind if one reflects on the three characteristics of phenomena, three characteristics of the body, three characteristics of these uh, faculties of the eye, ear, nose, tongue, taste, touch and mental faculty, then that takes the mind to peace and that is correct practice. So then when we practice this way we'll see truth, we'll see the Dhamma. When we see truth, we see the Dhamma, then we become peaceful. The mind will absorb into peace. Yeah, the mind, the citta, <coughs> will, will become still and calm. Uh, when we reflect and contemplate often, sorry, he said, when we, we must reflect and contemplate often to do it uh, frequently, to repeat it over and over again, to reflect much, to do it often, not just once or twice, but continuously reflect on these aspects of Dhamma, investigate them frequently and often. If wisdom, if wisdom increases by this constant recollection, which it will do, then the kalesas, the defilements, will decrease. Uh, the defilements are strong because we do not reflect and develop wisdom. When we develop wisdom, then the defilements become weak. So we need to develop this contemplation of investigation, reflecting on things, contemplating the body over and over again, and that will decrease uh, the defilements. Uh, when we practice this way, then the jitta receives the Dhamma, the jitta is receptive to the Dhamma and the jitta can know the Dhamma, the jitta can know truth, uh, the jitta can see, see the Buddha because when we see the Dhamma we see the Tathagata, when we see the Tathagata we see the Dhamma and when we see the Dhamma then that, that jitta will overcome Sagaya Ditti, Vichigicca and Silapata Paramasa. It will overcome uh, this uh, sakayaditi, this perception that the five aspects of body, feeling, thought, perception and consciousness are self, are me, are mine. It will overcome all doubt in the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. It will overcome attachment to rites and rituals as a path to liberation. And the defilements will then lessen. The defilements uh, because of our wisdom, because of our faith and because of our conviction will gradually become weaker and uh, when we investigate the body uh, sorry, when we investigate like this then the body becomes light the chitta, the mind will become very buoyant and bright uh, when the chitta is developed in this way uh, then it leads the Bhutachana, that is the unenlightened person, to become an enlightened person, a liberated person, someone who has overcome suffering. Uh, to give the example, 
if we if we train the mind continuously and stabilize the mind on one at one point, then that mind can take us to peace. Uh, and I'll give an example of the breath. If we can hold the feeling of the breath at the tip of the nose and keep our minds on that feeling of the breath at the tip of the nose, the inhalation coming in and the exhalation going out at the tip of the nose, then that mind held there for a long period of time will gradually become peaceful. The body will become buoyant and light. The, The mind will become buoyant and light. The mind which is buoyant and light will experience happiness and joy and that will lead to one-pointedness of mind, ekakata, that is the, the mind, the citta, which is single-focused or single-minded on one aramana, single-minded on one object, uh, one-pointed, as they say. Uh, and this uh, single-pointedness of mind, when we come out of that state, that will lead to the development of wisdom Why will it lead to the development of wisdom? Because peace allows us to see things clearly as they really are, to understand things. When we're peaceful, then we see things clearly. Uh, Samadhi has the benefit of leading to wisdom. Uh, If we're of the temperament where we like to reflect and investigate Dhamma, then we also have to be very careful not to over-investigate. If we do too much investigation and the jitta never experiences any joy or happiness, our jitta is confused and all over the place, is endlessly thinking and endlessly scattered through this continual investigation and contemplation of whatever subject we're investigating, then that will not lead to peace. It leads to continual restlessness. That shows we need to calm the mind down. We need to develop samadhi. So if you over-reflect and, uh, and do not develop any samadhi, you not experience any joy or happiness, then the jitta will be scattered and diverse and dispersed. So we need to develop lots of peace and a sense of ease in the mind, a sense of comfort in the mind. Uh, one way of bringing the mind uh, to stillness is to develop the contemplation of a supagamatan, the contemplation of the non-beautiful, the lotham, the uh, unpleasant aspects of the body, to see the body as it really is, to break the body up and see the body. It is not beautiful. There's nowhere where it's beautiful. There's nowhere to delight in this body. When we see the body as not beautiful, then we see the path to peace, we see the path to liberation, we see the magga, that is the Aryan path. Uh, We can develop this contemplation of the four elements and that also allows us to see the Aryan path. Ajahn Chah greatly encouraged us to develop this contemplation of a supra, to not get caught up in our likes and dislikes. When do we develop a supra-gamatan when we develop investigation of the four elements or we develop contemplation of death, then we give up our likes and dislikes. We give up our attractions and uh, aversions. And so 
we can investigate things. Uh, we can, sorry, we can investigate this body. We can contemplate death. We can investigate the four elements. We can consider all sankharas as just a rising and passing away. And when we do this, uh, then vipassana jnana can arise. That is clear knowledge and insight and understanding. That is the knowledges that arise through vipassana. And then the mind becomes courageous. When vipassana jnanas arise, we start to see things very clearly and the mind becomes very courageous to investigate. So we have to contemplate things a lot and investigate often, frequently, over and over again. Don't just do it one-off, do it over and over again. And uh, Sometimes your, your mind, when you're sitting meditation, sitting samadhi, may come together, uh, ruam they say in Thai, to come together into samadhi. And at that time, if your mind gathers into samadhi, gathers into one point, the, the mind might feel like it's completely solid, stable, unified. And that sensation of unity and stability of the mind can last all day. That so, sort of samadhi is firm and suitable for putting to work. But in that form of samadhi, one has to be slightly careful that we do not want to reflect. The mind is so solid and stable in peace and tranquility that we do not want to bring up the body for contemplation uh, because the body seems such a coarse object. We want to just stay in that beautiful bliss and tranquility. Uh, We do not want to reflect. Uh, So sometimes we have to apply that stability of mind, that strength of samadhi, to consider and investigate the body, go against the tendency not to consider the body, so that we're using the power of samadhi to investigate the uh, rupa khanda, the body. And and then when when we investigate the body, we'll see that the jitta, the mind, and the body, the rupa, is separate things. The jitta and the body are separate things. They are not us. They're not me. They're not mine. They're not self. They're not under the control of self. And this is when jnana, knowledge and insight arises, when understanding arises. Uh, This is when one can become a a stream enterer. This is when one becomes, can see the Dhamma. Uh, We may have heard of a person seeing the Dhamma or this at this point when we see that the jitta, the mind and body are totally separate and not us, not self, not me and mine and jnana, the knowledge and insight arises into us, in us then this leads to uh, this freeing this liberating quality of becoming uh, someone who's uh, got a foundation in Dhamma and that their mind will be completely peace, at peace, their mind will be still and good and wholesome. So we must endeavour, we must endeavour to develop peace and tranquility. We must also be very patient in our practice because our practice is going against our tendencies, going against our defilements. Uh, our tendency is to eat a lot when we should eat little. So go against the habit of eating a lot. 
uh, know yourself and know, uh, go against the grain, go against the habit of uh, eating too much, train yourself, put forth effort to train, going against eating, sleeping and talking too much. Uh, And in this way, if we train the mind, then the citta, if we're willing to go against the natural tendencies of the defilements, we'll be gradually chipping away at the defilements, gradually wearing away of the defilements, and the defilements, the kalesas, will become less, and our chittas, our minds, will become more peaceful. And then we will see the path, we'll see the mugger, we'll see the pathway to peace, and our minds will change, change profoundly, change ultimately, we will see samut satya, samuti satya, that is, we'll see conventional reality and we'll see ultimate reality. And when we see ultimate reality, then we'll see the Dhamma. When we see the Dhamma, we'll see the Buddha in our own hearts and we'll know the truth clearly for ourselves. We will, we will see the truth. All of you who are here, are already on the path. You've already progressed a long way. Uh, You're already on the path of generosity by developing and cultivating generosity and service. You're already on the path of purifying virtue and sila. You've already uh, ordained and gone forth. You've already given up so much. You're already walking the path of the Lord Buddha. Uh, we've already given up so many defilements at so many different levels Uh, now it is the time to develop uh, uh, our practice further and cultivate the mind further Uh, we have the, the, the temperament and the characteristics to cultivate this life fully so give this life fully to the Buddha Give this life fully to the cultivation of the path so that you know the path for yourself and when you know the path for yourself you have no more doubts and when you have no more doubts then you really come to peace. I would like to now end the talk here. Is there any questions? Uh, there was was a question earlier about uh, how to investigate the four elements, but I, I think in the talk that he he gave just a moment ago, it seemed to be covered. Yes, was it covered enough? Was it covered enough, Damuri, uh, or do you want to hear? Hmm. The the question was. Um, for all of us uh, keeping the range retreat here, uh, what should be our goal? What should our, be our aim for this range retreat? Uh, uh, we should establish aims because we're staying in one place uh, for the three months of the range. So set up goals. Uh, those goals should be to to keep the core what the duties and responsibilities. Uh, to one can establish, uh, say, a determination, for example, just to uh, ab- abide on alms food, the food that you get in your alms bowl, for example, eating dokpa, 
one may, 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 sorry, one may make the aditana, the determination, to go without sleep. One may make the determination to speak little, to not speak unnecessarily. All these things are ways of cutting off the defilements. They're to go against the defilements. And why do we do this? It is the, to aim towards peace and tranquility. So we should establish a goal that will make ourselves more peaceful by giving up defilements. So we have to make ourselves more peaceful by being aware of thought. If if you're conscious that your thinking is all over the place, scattered and endlessly thinking about this and that, then try to make your aim to reduce that thought down. Reduce the thinking to the point where you will purposely not think of anything outside of the monastery or anything out over, out in the future or the past. Gradually bring the mind in to the present moment. Ajahn Chah used to encourage us to do this. He used to give the simile of one monk would make the determination in the rains. Oh, here I am uh, in the range retreat. This whole range retreat, I will not think anything about life outside the monastery. He said that's one way of reducing down confusion. That's one way of being slightly peaceful. Another monk uh, may think, uh, I will keep all my thinking not only from going outside the monastery, but going outside this kuti. So he goes back and just stays in the kuti. Another monk may determine, I will keep my thinking not only from going outside the monastery or outside this kuti, I will keep it from going outside this body. I will keep the mind in contemplating and investigating this body and not let the mind go beyond awareness and mindfulness of the body. And why do we do that? It's, it's to reduce and bring the mind into one point, to compose the mind and bring the mind closer and closer in. So we're drawing it down into a single point. And the reason we draw it down into a single point and reduce it into one spot is so that we experience peace and tranquility. So your aim, this range retreat, is to experience peace and stability and tranquility of the mind. Uh, so the, the question was concerning anatta, if there is no self, no entity in us, what makes us continue to live in samsara? Uh, in the, on the night of the Buddha's enlightenment, the Buddha remembered all his previous lives which means, to, in my eyes, that something continues in us. No soul, nothing at all. Uh, and the response. When there is still in the mind greed, hatred and delusion, then that mind, because it is deluded, it is fooled, creates an illusion of self. It perceives and understands that in that greed, hate and delusion there is a me 
there is a self, there is an I, there is an entity. And when that we create this perception of self, then action is done through the perception of a self, this false illusion of a self. So we create karma with the false perception that I am doing this act. And so when we do good karma, that creates a good result and leads to happiness. When we create bad karma, we do bad actions, do something unskillful with the perception that I am doing this, this is me, this is mine, this is me experiencing this and I am fulfilling this action, then that leads to suffering, the perception that I suffer because we have this perception of I doing. Uh, and then maybe we may develop and progress and start uh, practicing uh, virtue and dhamma, uh, silatam, that is virtue and dhamma, uh, virtue and truth of the path. But we still have this perception that I am doing this path, I am practicing. And through this false perception, this misunderstanding of a self doing, uh, developing the path, it is this sense of I am progressing, I am doing this action. Uh, even when we develop samadhi and peaceful states of mind, there is still this false perception that it is I that am, am, am peaceful. It is me that is uh, cool and calm because of this false perception of self. It's a misunderstanding, the preconception that I am doing this, I am experiencing this. Uh, there is this... Uh, when, when we develop samadhi and when we, when we develop wisdom, then we start to contemplate and investigate this holding on to this concept of self. When we come out of a peaceful state of mind, we come out of samadhi, then we can start to develop wisdom, the wisdom to reflect who is this that holds on to this perception that I am the doer, I am uh, self, it is me, it is mine. When we start to look at this concept of self, we see that the feeling or perception of self, the thought of self, is not permanent. It's not constant. It is unsatisfactory. It is not us. When we see things as impermanent, not satisfactory, then we, we start to see that we have falsely taken this to be self, that there is not really an ever-abiding self there. It is changing. And then we start to, when we start to develop the Aryan Noble Eightfold Path, wisdom arises and we start to cultivate this mind and we, then we start to see it is just this chitta's misconception, the mind's misconception of self which leads to the endless birth and death in samsara, the continuous cycle of birth and death. And it, there is just body and mind and body and mind is constantly changing. Body and mind is subject to anicca, dukkha and anatta. Uh, and when we start to see this, 
and we start to see that this is the deathless data we see this constant arising and passing away that there is no self there there is just conditioned phenomena and in the end we see the deathless see the deathless element certain English first if one wants to practice a lot like the Kulbachans but has problems with what is it? nauseous visions okay. if one tries to increase the amount of practice one gets is it nauseous and tension in the head which prevents meditation is there a way to overcome this so one is able to increase one's effort Uh, we, uh, we have to know our own strengths and know our own abilities uh, if our uh, strength is not yet uh, developed then we can't force and press and, sh- uh, and, and uh, um, yeah, force the mind to, to make it in a particular way if we put too much pressure and too much force on ourselves to, to make the mind in a particular way uh, then that will have consequences especially if it's to the point that we make ourselves physically sick and make the mind stressed out uh, so we have to know our abilities, we have to know our strengths we're not trying to, uh, to make, the mind, uh, make the physical body sick in practice that's not the right way of practice that's not correct uh, when, uh, that's the atakilanatano yoga that's putting uh, wrong practice putting too much suffering on this body and mind uh, if you too, use too much force and just uh, uh, willpower then that uh, is not ne- necessarily the best thing we have to know our own abilities know our strengths and weaknesses Achan Cha gave a simile is some people look at the Buddha and uh, they get discouraged because they think oh, he can do so much but you have to remember the Buddha was like uh, someone with a huge vehicle like a large vehicle we are just driving a small car, a small car and so we have to make use of that vehicle and know what we've got uh, we don't try and compare ourselves with others if we do this then we'll practice correctly not uh, uh, being unaware of our own abilities and our own strengths the the practice uh, what is the practice which is uh, the best for uh, developing the mind Uh, difficult to read the particular question but uh, I'll try and answer in summary of the response uh, the best, best way of practice is to de- uh, develop uh, the whole uh, practice the cultivation of the body, speech and mind and we're doing this in accordance to the Noble Eightfold Path and so uh, we develop um, our body and speech by keeping those factors of the path which are to do with virtue we uh, develop our um, our livelihood by developing those practic- aspects of the Noble Eightfold Path which are 
to do with uh, livelihood. We develop uh, samadhi and wisdom, uh, samadhi by developing those aspects of the Noble Eightfold Path that do with uh, uh, samadhi. And uh, what? Um, sorry. Uh, we the last bit was uh, we develop sati, so that uh, we're developing a minus mindfulness to overcome fault finding, the fault finding mind, the mind which finds fault with other people. Uh, we're trying to overcome uh, a view of selfishness and overcome uh, self-concern. And so when we're developing this view of overcoming the selfishness and self-concern, then it develops a sense of loving-kindness. And when there's loving-kindness and, and metta, and that's a Brahma-Vahara, and that makes the mind uh, uh, full full and delighted in goodness and full and delighted in happiness and that leads to wisdom and understanding. So the way of practice is the development of this Noble Eightfold Path so that we're developing both wisdom and understanding.